Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA Podcast. Today's guest is, well, actually, I don't know that there is a guest for this one exactly. This is a conversation between me and Deanna Chapman, who, as you probably know, produces this show. She does an amazing job. She is the brains behind all of this. And I know that there's been a lot of questions in our Facebook group and other places about podcasting, like how to get started, what kind of gear you need, how you grow it, how you book guests, how you come up with a concept for a show, all that kind of stuff. And that is what we talk about in this episode because Deanna has worked on a shitload of podcasts. Not just this one, but she also worked on a bunch for Jabberjaw Media. She works on one with friend of the show, James McMillan, uh, about Disney. I don't know. She's worked on a whole bunch of them. She knows her shit. She knows way more about podcasts than I do. So I thought rather than me do a bad job of answering your questions, we could just bring her on and she would do a great job of answering them. So if you have questions about all things podcasting, this one is for you. But before we get into the show, let me tell you a few ways that you can support the show if you would like to. Number one, you can share it on social media because as I always complain about, Apple and Spotify and the other companies don't really do a whole lot to help us spread the word about the show. So that is where you come in. We appreciate it every time you share it. Number two, if you really like us, you can buy some merch. There's a link to that in the show notes. Number three, if you really, really, really like us, you can support the show on Patreon. There's a link to that in the description as well. Patrons get access to every podcast a week early. If you want me to review your work, whether that is a graphic design portfolio, illustration portfolio, a band, a podcast, a YouTube channel, whatever it is that you would like me to look at and give you my feedback on, there's an opportunity to do that if you're a patron at the $10 and up level. So if that sounds cool to you, hit the link in the show notes. And with that out of the way, let's get into the show. I've seen in the Facebook group and gotten DMs and stuff that there's a fair amount of people out there who are looking to start their own podcast, or maybe they've started one and you know they're kind of wondering, how do I grow this thing? How do I make it bigger? or even how do I turn this into a full-time job? Uh, so uh, Deanna had the idea of making a podcast about podcasts. <laughs> so here we are. So hopefully we can address all three of those things. I'll turn it over to you in a second since you work on more podcasts than I do. <laughs> but for anybody that's not familiar uh, with you and kind of your background in podcasts, maybe catch them up on that? Yeah. So the quick version is back in 2015, Modern Vinyl asked me to start a music podcast because they had the Modern Vinyl podcast, which was three dudes talking about music and they wanted the female perspective. So it was my job to find a co-host or to start a music podcast with all women hosts on it. And in between our episodes, because we were only doing one every other week due to scheduling, I was filling in those empty weeks with interview episodes, 
you know, publicists would have bands that were wanting to promote albums and stuff like that. And I had absolutely no idea what I was doing when I started the podcast. It was just kind of a learn as you go thing. And then from there, I started my own podcast solo, Welcome to Geekdom, where I just have people on talk about movies, comic books, TV shows. I started a sports podcast that was very short-lived in comparison to all of the other ones I've done because sports are hard to talk about on a regular basis, especially when it's such a crowded category with ESPN having a ton of podcasts and everything like that. Then I started Chat Cemetery, which is my Stephen King podcast, and I'm going chronologically, which is a lot of work, but it's been a lot of fun. I ended up interning with Jabberjaw Media and then managing the network for about a year. And they had what, at that time, maybe 10 shows or something? I want to say when I started at Jabberjaw, there were probably, yeah, about 10 to 12 shows. And there were a couple that were in development while I was interning. And then a few months later, I ended up managing the network because the current manager was moving on to a different opportunity. And from there, it was really just keeping up sponsorship relationships and namely with Rockabilia. Anyone who has listened to any of the Jabberjaw podcasts has probably heard of Rockabilia at or 10. Gotcha. So you've, you've worked on probably close to 20 podcasts now. Yeah. And with Jabberjaw, I wouldn't say I was super hands-on. It's not like I was editing all of the Jabberjaw shows or anything, but I was in contact with the host constantly. And then Mike Mowry, who was running Jabberjaw, he actually tagged me in a post that URM was hiring a podcast editor. And a little bit of a funny story oh, there. Okay. Ale contacted me and my resume had gone into a spam folder. <laughs> It happens. Yeah. So I heard back from him a few months later because he was like, oh, yeah, we need a person again now or, you know, something had happened. And he was like, you'll be splitting it with someone else. And I don't know who that person ever was, but I never talked to them, never split anything with them. And, you know, then that's how I obviously got in contact with you. Got it. OK, well, there we go. So, you know, I know you said that you weren't, you know, super closely involved with all those as far as editing every single one and stuff. But Still, you know, the fact that you have your hands on them at all is it's pattern recognition. Yeah. You know, you, you the more data points you have, the more you start to be able to form a hypothesis about what works and what doesn't because you've seen it play out a bunch mm -hmm. of times, you know, like training your own algorithm. Yeah. And there's always going to be shows on podcast networks, regardless of the topic where some shows do better than others. You have your really big shows that sort of drive networks a lot of the time and that allows them to have some smaller shows that are maybe more specific in what they're discussing well tell me what you think but uh i was thinking maybe we could kind of divide this up into two parts one would be kind of big picture like strategy creative kind of questions and decisions and then the other could be sort of the tactical production you know technical kind of questions because i think people have people are 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 running into challenges with both of those things. Works for me. So I guess I'll start like conceptually because you've seen so many of these. What do you think is the, I mean, I know this is a broad question, but if someone is, is thinking about starting a podcast and they're kind of not sure what the concept should be or the format should be, what advice would you have for them? Like what to do or not to do? Honestly, I would tell them to do 
three to five episodes at least and see if within those three to five episodes, they're able to work out what the concept of their podcast is going to be. Because with my personal ones, Stephen King is easy. You start with the first book and you go from there. It wasn't that hard of a concept to kind of get my wheels with. And I already had almost every single Stephen King book. So it was just a matter of finding some of the movies and TV shows. And then with Welcome to Geekdom, it's literally just one topic about a specific movie, TV show, or comic book each week. So it would just really depend on what the guest wanted to talk about. And because I started that with my friend group, it was easy because we had so much in common already. And, you know, anyone can talk about a Marvel movie. I'm not doing anything groundbreaking there. But I would say definitely record, see if your idea is something that can actually come to life in an episode. Because if you're struggling throughout those first three to five episodes to figure out what you're talking about, then you probably need to go back and rework the idea a little. Well, to be fair, I think there actually are a lot of strategic and creative decisions that you made there. You probably have just thought about podcasting so much that they were easy for you to make. True. (laughs) But I think they're not easy for everybody. For example, just the idea of having guests versus not having guests. I I know that's something a lot of people kind of wonder, should it be my best friend and I just talking about this topic or should we have guests on or how how would you suggest people think about that? I would say it would depend on if you know you have enough people who are going to be interested. Before I started my Stephen King podcast, you are right. I did put a little more thought into it than that because I went around and I asked my friends, I was like, hey, I'm going to start the Stephen King podcast. I know you guys are horror fans. Would you want to guest on it fairly frequently? Because that is one where I have this mega spreadsheet that is like color coded and (laughs) I have guests lined up from now until the end of 2021, because I just told people I was like, sign up for whatever interests you. And then as I get new guests, I kind of move things around and be like, hey, you know, I have a new guest who wants to cover this topic that you're assigned to technically. So then I work things out that way. But as far as having guests versus not having guests, it's going to depend on if you have enough of a banter with your co-host too to keep things interesting. Because if you two talk to each other a lot and say you're best friends or something, that'll probably be easier than if you're just finding a co-host who you don't know super well. Maybe then you'll want guests so you can kind of have that buffer. So with that show, so I guess another question there is as far as having guests, it sounds to me like your approach is to optimize for subject matter experts first. And if they have a big audience, that's great. But you're really more concerned with how good is this conversation going to be versus the other approach, you know, the the polar opposite of that would be we optimize for people with big names and we care less about how good the conversation is. That's exactly it. And I'm all for having bigger names on either of my podcasts. But if you don't know the person, as you know, it's a little harder to maybe get into the groove of things, especially when you're trying to keep things under an hour, because sometimes it could take you 20 minutes into a conversation to really get a feel for each other and get the conversation going. So that's why I started by asking my friends, because I was texting them all the time about these things anyway. And it just made sense to turn it into a podcast format. And 
I also selfishly started the Stephen King podcast because I kept seeing all the books on the shelf and it's like they were terrorizing me to read them. And I just was like, you know what? This is never going to get done if I don't give myself a deadline. So that's how the podcast came about. It's not the first Stephen King podcast, probably won't be the last, but I looked at some of the others like the Losers Club from Consequence of Sound and I saw that they did like three hour episodes and I was like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) That's a lot. And it works for them because they have so many people on. I think sometimes they have four or five people on episode. And I know that's when episodes can get really long because for Welcome to Geekdom, I have done roundtable episodes. That's something I started experimenting with. And I'll have three to four people on and those tend to go two hours instead of one hour. No matter how much you tell people to be brief, they're going to go on and on and on. <laughs> gets out of control. Yeah. So I forget the question I was going to ask, but it was a, it was a great question. I promise. Uh, <laughs> I believe you. Oh, yes. I remember what it was. So you mentioned that there were other Steve. Well, there's a couple things here. So you mentioned that there were other Stephen King podcasts. So question number one is, how do you think about, you know, and, and you said the same thing about sports. If you look at a a space and it's crowded, that could kind of mean two things. Either there's no room for anybody new, so I shouldn't do this. Or you could say that means this is a topic people care about a lot, which means I should do this. How would you suggest people think about that? I would say with sports, that one is going to be super dependent on already having an audience. Because trying to do a sports podcast when nobody knows who you are when there's podcasts from ESPN, The Athletic, Bleacher Report, the Locked On Podcast Network, there are so many big names in the sports world. Even The Ringer has a ton of sports podcasts. It's like you're literally competing with like Bill Simmons. Best in the world ever. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, maybe if you're going to do sports, you want to have some sort of backing from a website or something like that where you know it's going to be pushed out to a bigger audience. But because I started the Stephen King one selfishly, I was like, okay, there's a handful of podcasts. Some hadn't been updated in a while. And I found through Instagram that the horror community is super active on there. So I had put a little more effort into posting to the Chat Cemetery account. It's dwindled a little since I've been focusing on my personal account more. But It's just amazing how excited the horror community gets. And even though my podcasts, the personal ones, aren't big by any means, I think the people who do listen to them really enjoy them. And I think you found the same thing with this podcast. It's like you might not have as many downloads as you were hoping for when we first launched it, but you sort of start to understand the difference between a podcast audience and something like your YouTube audience. Yeah, well, let's let's talk numbers because I think people don't really share that very often. And and it's it's what you said. Like for me, if I was to do a YouTube video that got fifty thousand views in a week, for me right now that would be quite disappointing. Right. But this podcast gets I don't know what between Spotify and Fireside now usually around five thousand in a month. I think. Yeah, and I think it's hitting you know two to three thousand first week, and then you're still getting days where you have a hundred downloads for episodes here and there, and yeah, it's one of those things where I think podcast audiences are more dedicated to sitting down, paying attention to the podcast, and taking in the information. And while you are obviously talking about slightly different things on your YouTube channel, I think with YouTube at times people can be a little more passive with it. Mm-hmm. Well. 
the reason I ask is because I, I was kind of surprised. I mean, I guess I sort of knew this. I, I did my first podcast about 10 years ago, I think, maybe 2011. Okay. And I assumed that the numbers would be a lot bigger now than they were then, and they're not. So there's a lot of podcasts out there that are really good that get three to 500 downloads per show. Right. Like a smaller podcast done by somebody that doesn't have a big audience. Like from what I have talked to people, like that's a that's a decent number. Yeah. And to share some numbers on mine, you know, I'm lucky if a Chat Cemetery episode hits 100 downloads. And Welcome to Geekdom is coming in right around 100 downloads per episode now. I had one recently. I did an episode on Gravity Falls, and that one hit like 250 downloads. I don't really know why. Apparently, a lot of people really like Gravity Falls, or I'm just getting better at my SEO on the podcast. (laughs) But it's one of those things where because it's not a moneymaker for me, It's like, yes, I still kind of obsess over the stats probably more than I should, as a lot of creators will, but I'm not trying to be, you know, a show on the ringer because I know I don't have that kind of audience or that kind of backing. And that's kind of another decision I think people need to make is like, how big do you want this thing to be? Because that, to me, informs everything you do. Right. to me, I for anything I do, I care about like my primary, not primary, but it's very important to me to grow it. And I'm not satisfied unless there's a sizable audience. And I'm not saying everyone else should feel that way. That's just for me personally. Yeah. Like I'm not happy unless the audience is sizable and growing. And that has a lot of implications. For example, the kind of guests. Now, maybe someday we can have people on that don't have a huge audience but right now since it's still less than six months old we're really focusing on people that have a name so that we can grow the show it's not like i am unhappy with those guests they're great guests but there are other people that i would love to have on that have interesting things to say but right now that wouldn't really fit the strategy because they don't have big names and they wouldn't grow the show on the other hand if i was just optimizing for my own personal you know, creative satisfaction, and I was happy getting, you know, 100 downloads a show, I would have very different people on. Yeah. And I know exactly why my shows haven't grown more. It's because I talk to the same five to 10 people 90% of the time. And Uh while I love talking to all of my friends, it's like, none of our audiences have really grown exponentially since I have started either of the podcasts. And I knew that it was just going to be something that was a hobby for me. And I have started recently putting more effort into booking guests just because I want to have the opportunity to see if maybe now that I have sort of this track record and, you know, people have seen the quality of heard the quality of the episodes, if getting guests with different audiences on will help the shows grow more. And it's one of those things where you've gone through this too. Sometimes you have people on and then they don't promote on their end. I would say at least 50% of the time they don't promote it. And it's not necessarily their job to do that either because it's not their podcast. And that's one thing that I never stress out about. It's like, I know my friends will promote it because they're my friends and you know they have fun talking about these things too. But when it's someone you don't know, you can't necessarily have the same sort of expectations as you might with someone you actually know. 
Right. I never expect the guests to promote it. Of course, I always appreciate it when they do, but I never expect it. And I think it's kind of, I can tell when somebody has me on their show or something because they want me to promote it. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, it just, it feels, it, it feels gross. It feels transactional. It's like they want your audience more than they want you. Yeah. And that doesn't feel good. So for anybody listening, I would say, you know, don't do that. Have somebody on because you want, like, first and foremost, because you want it to be a good conversation or you think it'll be a good conversation. Second, you know, if they have a name and you and you hope they promote it, but never have somebody on like purely with the expectation that they will promote it, partly because I think what makes people promote a, an episode is if they think it's really, really good, like especially people with a decent name that have been on, you know, like, for example, Spencer from Ice Nine Kills, which actually I think is our most popular episode. I think so, too. You know, he's been in tons of media. You know, he's a well-known guy with a big audience and stuff, and he promoted that quite a bit like on his Instagram feed and like Twitter, like they really promoted that one a lot. And I, and I think it's because he really enjoyed the conversation. Um, This is not the biggest show that he's been on by any means or anything like that. And so I guess my point is if your goal is to grow the show by having people on with a decent audience, the success of that will depend on how good that conversation is on like an authentic level. Like people can tell very much how much you care about their work. Absolutely. And one thing I've noticed working with you, working with URM and now working on the Riff Hard podcast is that if you have these conversations that really resonate, the fans will share them too. Because I mm-hmm. always see you and AL posting and, you know, reposting fans saying that they're listening. And when you have a fan base like that too, that really helps because that's just free marketing for you. You're creating these conversations, having these conversations that people are able to learn from, and then they want to share that knowledge with anyone who will listen to them. (laughs) Right. So let's talk about how do you actually book guests? I I know how I do it, but that's probably a little bit different than how you do it or a lot of people listening might do it. Let's say you want to have someone, you know, with a, a decent sized audience on one of your shows, how, how would you go about doing that? Sometimes I simply go through a publicist because I've received advanced book copies and stuff. And if I end up really enjoying the author, I've had an author or two on my podcast before. The most recent one, I believe, was Matt Singer, who wrote a Spider-Man book. It was basically like a history of the Spider-Man comics. I bought the book with my own money. So I wasn't going and asking for the book for free. And I actually just DM'd him on Twitter and was like, hey, I host this podcast. I bought your book. Would love to chat with you about it. And it was after the press cycle had kind of come and gone Mm -hmm. for the book already. So it was one of those things where sometimes you just have to take a chance and ask people, which I know you and I discussed recently over text because I was like, you know, I have this thing where I'm just worried everyone's going to say no because who wants to talk to me? I'm a nobody. <laughs> and I've been realizing that, you know, I'm not going to know until I ask. So if someone has an email, I'll email them. If I don't see any sort of contact info, I'll DM them and be like, hey, I'm interested in having you on my podcast. Let me know if we can work that out here or if I should email you. And that is how I have just sort of been reaching out. One person that I'm having on 
pretty soon Keith Rawson, because I had already had him on Misaligned for one of his other books, I just hit him up directly. So you kind of just have to sometimes build up a relationship with people too over time and not expect something from them in return. It's like, he could have said no, I would have been fine with that. But I think because I had already talked to him, gone through the publicist and had him on a different podcast, he was like, yeah, sure, I'll come back on. Now, out of the however many times you have DM'd someone or emailed people to invite them on a show, how many times has somebody just straight up said, no, I'm not interested in this? Typically, I'm not getting a no from people. It's more so just no response at all. How many times have you gotten a reply where someone's like, no, I don't want to do this? Maybe once. Out of dozens, if not over 100 times, right? Yeah, a dozen or so. Yeah, like nobody says no. Yeah. Ever. They might most often the response will be no reply. Right. Or sounds cool, but I don't have time. But for anybody that's afraid of rejection, that doesn't really happen. Like people don't say no. Like if you're afraid someone's like, why the fuck would you ask me to be on your stupid (laughs) podcast? Who the fuck do you think you are? Like that will never happen. And anyone who is a creator is not going to be rude to someone who likes their stuff for the most part. No, I would say if I, you know, if I'm doing cold outreach to 10 people, probably seven of them never reply. One or two of them say, hey, it sounds cool, but I don't have time. And one of them says, sounds awesome. Let's do it. It was 100% just me being in my own head and needing to get over it because I was like, eh, I don't know if anyone really wants to talk to me. And it turns out if you ask, people will say yes. Yeah. One important point you made there, which I think is worth keeping in mind for people is building a relationship, especially I would say like the bigger somebody is, the more you should think about building a relationship before you ask for something. For example, and I don't know if he's listening, I don't know if he listens to podcasts or not, but I would love to have Adam 22 from No Jumper on this podcast someday. You know, we follow each other on Instagram. I talk to him sometimes. I know he watches my channel, but he gets hit up all the time for shit. And uh, I haven't asked him to be on the podcast yet because I feel like I don't know him well enough yet. You know, I, I may be in my own head there. That may not be true. But my point is, I mean, he has like an audience in the millions. So, I want to be I want to make sure that when I ask it's at the right time. Yeah, and I totally went out on a limb and asked someone on Chat Cemetery who was someone who had directed numerous Stephen King adaptations and he's the one person who said no basically, but he was super polite about it because he has his own podcast where he talks about horror stuff and he was just kind of like, you know, thank you for asking, but I'm busy right now and you know have a bunch of stuff booked for my show. And he's out there talking to like other big directors and other TV people. So I was like, no worries. Thank you for responding and went on my way. That's as bad as the rejection gets. Yeah. Right. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? 
I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast. A songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, And I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use HyperFollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. So to me, the most frustrating part of this whole, so let's let's talk about growth because I, I think for me, that is the most difficult part of this whole thing. And I think for most people it is too. Yeah. What would you say is the, the biggest challenge with growth? Would, would it be discovery? Yeah, discovery is so bad with podcasts. It really is. I use Overcast on my iPhone and there is a section where when you go to look up a new podcast, there's suggested podcasts, but it's really just the top podcasts in those categories for the most part, at least that have been downloaded on Overcast from what I could tell. I remember Misaligned got into the music section a couple times back when I was doing that one. And I was like, I don't know how this happened, but it's kind of cool. And then, you know, maybe we'd get a few more downloads from that. But 
there isn't really a good way to have discovery consistent across all of the apps, which I think is a problem. And I know you and I have gone back and forth talking about Spotify every now and then. And because they have the music discovery aspect to their app already, I think they're going to figure out podcast discovery faster than anyone else, more than likely. And then everyone else will be left to sort of follow suit. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, to me, that's that's the biggest opportunity for podcasting in general is discovery. And that's why YouTube is so great, because they have, I think, the world's best discovery algorithm for any piece of con any like content ever. Yeah. Like YouTube is great at showing you stuff that you like. Yeah, it's one of those things where I listen to so many podcasts, maybe not as high of a rate as I was before I started working on so many podcasts, but it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, you know, maybe these ones are getting a little stale for me. So I would unsubscribe and then I'd have to go like Google whatever podcast list that Vulture put out or something to find a new show. Yeah. Like imagine that's how, that's what it was like Googling best, you know, horror podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And not that that's like some it's not like I'm saying, oh, I'm this is so horrible that I have to do this. Like as a podcaster, I'm thinking how many people are going to go to that much trouble? Probably not many. Yeah, it's going to be the nerds like me who listen to a bazillion podcasts and can't seem to get enough of them. That's pretty much all I listen to for the most part. My music listening has dwindled very, very, very quickly <laughs> over the last few years. Unless I'm writing something, I don't listen to music. Like if I'm driving or working out or something, it's only podcasts. Yeah. And you would think with the number of podcasts that I've been editing lately and the length of some of those podcasts that I wouldn't want to listen to podcasts. But for whatever reason, I ended up working mostly on music podcasts. So then I just go listen to, you know, sports podcasts, pop culture podcasts instead. And it's like I'm getting all of the podcasts in one go. <laughs> That's another thing I wanted to kind of touch on here is one of the reasons that I was excited to work with you is because you are a student of the game when it comes to podcasts. And I think you have to be at whatever you do. Like, for example, if you are a guitarist and you want to be good, you should be an obsessive student of the game about guitar, right? Right. Or whatever it is that you do, like you should be a student of the game, meaning you should go like Mike Tyson. Like if you ever listen to him talk about boxing, he's a fucking encyclopedia. <laughs> you know, if you're like, who had the best left hook in the 70s? And he's like, well, there's about 10 guys. Let me go through them one by one, you know, and that's part of what made him great. And I, I think a lot of people, and again, because that's pattern recognition, like the more you study what has worked for other people and what hasn't, the, the quicker you'll find that for yourself. And so I think it's interesting that how many people start a podcast and and don't and are not like passionate consumers of podcasts or like kind of I think don't study the space very much. Yeah, and there's all sorts of different things you can do, you know, if you're conducting an interview podcast where you're sitting down with someone and asking them questions instead of it being more conversation like you want to go study interviewers. You want to look at someone mm -hmm. like a Joe Rogan, maybe, or Mark Marin. Yeah, Mark Marin. And you just need to listen to the people who are the best at it. And then you'll be like, okay, if I'm half as good as this, 
we'll have something to work with. Right. It's strange to me with podcasts in particular, how many people start a podcast that are not, that seem to not be very interested in podcasts. I don't understand that. That is weird. I don't know what to do with those people. <laughs> now, I'm unquestionably a more blunt, mean person than you are. So <laughs> feel free to not answer this or avoid this question. But my opinion is that the two or three dudes bullshitting about stuff they like for an hour podcast is the worst possible concept. And nobody should ever do it unless you are extremely funny and or already famous. What is your opinion on that? It's funny because I listen to a lot of podcasts with a lot of dudes just talking about stuff. But again, <laughs> it's like Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald at The Ringer. And Andy has right. been involved in creating TV shows now. So for me, listening to him talk about TV shows has taken on a different form over the years since he started creating TV shows and being a part of that process. So you're getting... Yeah, if you were the showrunner for fucking Arrow or whatever... I would like to listen to what you have to say about making TV shows. <laughs> if you're just some dude that watches a lot of Netflix. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing, because that's what Welcome to Geekdom is. I watch things and I talk about them. And again, I did it because I was talking about these things already. And granted, I'm not a dude sitting around with only other dudes. <laughs> Let me be clear about that. There's, I, I think what you do is different. Okay. Um, it, because it is not just unstructured bullshitting. I do have structure. I do like structure. <laughs> you have structure and there's like a concept and like, I think it's pretty focused. It's this unfocused bullshitting to me is like- Where they talk about like 10 topics in one episode and you're like, wait, how did we get here? In a rambling, unfocused way that is, it's just like putting a recorder in the middle of a conversation they don't produce this with the intent of it being entertaining to other people, I guess, is, is my issue. It's like they're, they're doing it for themselves and mistakenly believing that other people will be interested in this conversation, too. Yeah, and I know a lot of people have wanted to just start podcasts like that, and there might be an audience for it up to a certain point. But for the most part, I wouldn't recommend starting a completely unstructured podcast because if you don't have any sort of structure or any sort of consistency with what you're trying to do with your podcast, I think it'll be a lot harder to keep that going in the long run. And it's not that I'm against, you know, dudes starting podcasts. It happens all the time. And there are some that make it work. I'm opposed to it. I will die on this hill. <laughs> and, you know, especially when you have a company that has a bunch of dudes and they want to start podcasts like The Ringer. All of their sports podcasts, pretty much from the ones I had listened to, at least, they were all hosted by dudes because sports is a very dude-centric world. And even though yeah. you have some people like Katie Nolan at ESPN, whose podcast I listen to because I frankly think it's hilarious, there's still some sort of structure to it, even though they do go off topic. Well, you mentioned consistency, and I don't know if you meant that in terms of format or what, but talk about publishing consistency. How important is that? I think it's super important because it's one of those things where if someone knows to expect something, 
this day of this week. It's like watching your favorite TV show. You know exactly what night it comes on. So you're going to sit there, you're going to be ready at eight or nine o'clock at night, and you're going to watch it. And then if someone wants to listen to a podcast, if it kicks off their Monday morning, like this one does, for example, people are going to want that consistency because they have a routine. And maybe not everyone has a routine, but I personally enjoy having a routine. And I like knowing when to expect things in my feed, when to expect TV shows. And I think it just builds a trust overall, too. Like, hey, I'm going to bring you this content and I'm going to do it consistently. I'm not going to do an episode and then not give you something for two months and expect people to still remember me. It was quite a wake up call for me in that regard. And, you know, I mean, you know me, I'm generally a very consistent person Mm -hmm. with YouTube. I've had my channel for about two and a half years now. There's only been one week that I didn't put out a video. Okay. And what was really remarkable to me so you know my 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 manager who essentially what he does is gets all those brand deals so if you see manscaped or raid shadow legends or whoever else like he's the person that brings those to me like hey raid wants to do a video on this date here's how much money it is here's what you got to do uh and when i was initially talking to him about working with me i thought of myself as very consistent and he was like, yeah, well, I've noticed you're pretty consistent. You know, you did miss that week, that one week. And I was like, oh, shit. Like <laughs> you noticed like missing one week put me in the pretty consistent bucket. Yeah. And I and now I understand why, because that's not an option for, for YouTube. Like if you want to su- take a YouTube channel seriously, like that's not really an option to miss a week unless there's a really, you know, obviously if your wife has surgery or something. But like consistency is so important. Yeah, I have at least two planned weeks a year, typically, where I do not release an episode, and it tends to be Christmas week, and usually Thanksgiving week, depending on what I have planned episode-wise, and if I have enough of a backlog to either release an episode or not release an episode. But I definitely try to at least take Christmas week off because that's the time people are traveling. They're with family. They're probably not listening super often. And then you just have some circumstances where you maybe want to hold off on posting an episode because there are more important things going on. And I think everyone is very understanding of when those things happen. For example, when we held off on posting an episode when a bunch of the protests started. Mm -hmm. It was like, that is more important than any podcast anyone is probably listening to right now. So the Monday that the riots and protests and stuff were at their peak, not a good day to put out a podcast. Yeah. And it's one of those things where every creator is going to make that choice for themselves. Obviously, I had a few podcasts that downloaded still because I listened to 8 million podcasts. So some people chose to still release. I paused one of mine and released the other without promoting it just because if I'm being totally honest, I did not want to redo my entire spreadsheet that already had like planned weeks off. And like I said, you know, the Stephen King one I have planned through the end of 2021. So it's not the end of the world if I have to go adjust the spreadsheet. But I was like, The episode's like 20-something minutes. It's not a movie a lot of people are going to care about anyway because it was like the third movie in a series 
that shouldn't have had a third movie anyway. So I was like, okay, nobody's going to even pay attention to this or get mad if I post it because, frankly, you know, maybe 20 people downloaded that episode day one. But what I'm hearing is it's okay to have planned breaks. It's okay to take a break, you know, when something really serious happens that takes precedence. But what you don't want to do is just sort of not get around to it this week. Right. That's the way I look at it anyway, because everyone needs a break every once in a while. Yes, I could post episodes 52 weeks out of the year if I wanted to, but why am I going to give people an episode Christmas Day, for instance, when (laughs) you have other things to do on Christmas Day usually? Right. Let's talk about some technical stuff here to wrap things up. And the reason I put this at the end is because uh, I think this stuff is very important to get right. But I think a lot of people make the mistake of focusing on the technical stuff before they have figured out the bigger picture. Right. But we just talked about the bigger picture. So let's assume you've got that figured out. The two biggest questions I think people have are, and, and tell me if, if I'm missing anything or if you feel differently, but what equipment do I need and how do I upload and distribute it? Those are definitely the two questions I see most often. And I'm in a few Facebook groups that are specifically for podcasts. And you get some people asking, do I need to pay for hosting? Do I need to pay to distribute it? And obviously with Anchor, no, you don't need to pay for hosting if you don't want to. I typically recommend paid hosts just because I find sometimes their support is more responsive and they offer these things that maybe free hosts don't. But for the most part, if someone wants to use Anchor, I am not going to fight them on it. Anchor is free or has a free option? Anchor is completely free. I don't think they even offer a paid option. And you have some other hosts that will offer a free tier, and then you can pay when you run out of storage or something. And Storage limits are kind of a pain, if I'm being honest. So some will offer unlimited storage, but then they limit the file size on upload. So there's so many different things to take into consideration that hosting will totally depend on how long you think your podcasts are going to be, how many guests you think you're going to have, because the more tracks you have, typically the bigger the file is going to be as well. And it's one of those things where you have to have some of that big picture stuff figured out up front before you can even think about, okay, you know, is this going to be something I can host somewhere because it's only going to be a 15 minute podcast every week, or is it going to be a two hour podcast every week? And then equipment is a big thing because a lot of people, including myself, will start off with a cheap USB microphone, which isn't the end of the world. You just have to be more aware of the room you're in because some will echo, some will pick up dogs barking two doors down. (laughs) And I have slowly upgraded my equipment over the years. So I started off with a Blue Yeti with just a pop filter going straight into my computer. Now I have a SM7B with the Rodecaster Pro. And before I had the Rodecaster Pro, I had a Tascam box that was just hooked up to my computer. So It's something that you don't need to spend $1,000 on right up front. You can do something like, I would say probably at least spend 100 bucks 
If you want to have equipment, don't just talk into your phone or talk into your computer microphone. And then consider if it's something you're going to keep doing and then invest in the upgrade. Don't invest in a ton of equipment and then find out two episodes later you don't want to do it anymore. So if somebody wanted to do a show like this, what would you recommend they start out with as far as gear and hosting? I would say if they know they want to keep it going, maybe start out by getting something like a SM58 instead of a USB microphone and then buy a Scarlett Focusrite or a Tascam 2x2 and you'll have at least two inputs if you want to do in-person episodes as well. And those are each about a hundred bucks, I think. Yeah, I think the SM58 is definitely like the $99 microphone. And then the interfaces, I think, go anywhere from a hundred to 200. So it is a little bit of an investment, but anyone who has looked into gear probably knows an SM7B is going to run you $400 new. And if you can get an entire setup for less than that, Start with that first and you'll be fine. You know, it's one of those things, unless you're sitting in like your bathroom recording, (laughs) you know. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Sit in a closet or something if you don't have a good room. And how about hosting? I typically recommend checking out something like Fireside, which is what we're on. It's a little more. It's 19 bucks a month. A lot of people use Libsyn, which... You know, we had tried out. It's very, very 90s, though. <laughs> like, you just yeah. be prepared for it to not look great. <laughs> the website literally looks like it's out of 2001. It is, and it has, I've used Libsyn since 2010, and it hasn't changed at all. Yeah, that's the gist I got when I logged in. I was like, oh, they really do not <laughs> update anything. <laughs> Personally, I'm on Transistor, which is the same price as Fireside. And The only thing there is that it's more business oriented. I joined it because I'm sharing an account with friends, so it was more cost effective for me. So if you have several friends who also want to start podcasts, sometimes that can be a way to go to. You all just kind of go in on some group hosting option, kind of like a podcast network, and you can make that manageable as well. Again, if you want to use Anchor, that's fine. I have run into... A couple of problems using it with their one-click distribution. They don't really update you. It's just like links either appear or they do not. (laughs) So one that I'm working on launching, it wasn't showing up in Apple, but it had showed up on Spotify. So I was like, okay, here's the iTunes Connect link. Let's just manually submit it. And then it popped up almost right away. And it's like, okay, well, did it pop up because of Anchor or because we went and submitted it? That whole part of like making sure the podcast shows up on all the different platforms is shockingly difficult still. Yeah. And the thing with Anchor is like, they're like, oh, one click distribution. But then it's like, okay, but how do I see what the progress is? Because when you manually right. submit, you can go in and it'll be like processing or whatever. Right, right. So, yeah. Well, my personal opinion would be, uh, I mean, I agree with everything you just said, but I think people should just start. Like that's like the the place where I see a lot of people kind of go wrong is obsessing over the technical stuff mm-hmm. and using that as an excuse to not start. Yeah. Especially because remember, at the beginning, 15 people are going to be listening to your show, which is fine. And those are going to be your friends and your family. 
So they're not going to have super high expectations for the quality or any of that. And I think the most important thing you can do is just get started and get a little bit better every time. And don't get psyched out by making sure that you have the exact right gear and it's on all the platforms in exactly the right way. Just start making shit and get better every time. That's how I learned. You know, I didn't even know about some podcast standards until literally last year when I had already been getting paid to at least edit podcasts. And I was like, oh, yeah. there's a loudness standard. Oh, OK. There, There's a standard for the peak volume. <laughs> and I was like, I got a lot of work to do and I'm still figuring stuff out. I didn't know that until you told me right now. Yeah. And it's one of those things where if you're not constantly learning, then your show is going to stay the same. You know, I've been texting one of my other friends who uses logic a ton and I'm like, I have some stupid questions <laughs> and he'll answer them. And then I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Because when you're editing in any DAW, you're kind of like, there are so many options here. And mm -hmm. while most of them you won't need for a podcast, there's still things that I'm just like, I didn't even know this setting was a thing in logic that I could use. Mm -hmm. And well, yeah, let's that's kind of the last thing. What software should you use to edit? The one I, I would say is use the one that you have and you know how to use. Do you have an opinion? Yeah, I started on GarageBand because it was free and it was on my Mac. And then as I started editing more and I started a second podcast, I was like, okay, GarageBand, it doesn't do quite everything that I want it to do. It makes it difficult to do certain things that it really shouldn't be that difficult to do. So then I was like, all right, I'll get Logic. And I may or may not have paid for Logic at first. And then <laughs> I was like, you know what? maybe I should give someone money for this <laughs> so that I would get all of the new updates and whatever, which I would say be careful when updating because it can totally break some of your workflow mm -hmm. and then you'll have to like relearn certain things. I'm always like, okay, there's a logic update. Do I want to do that? Do I need to do that? DAWs are so much, they're such bad software in general. They're so Updates should not break shit yeah. in 2020. But point being, you can make a great podcast with GarageBand. Are there better options? Yes, but you can make a great podcast with GarageBand. And as far as, since a lot of people ask about YouTube also, you can make a great channel with iMovie. For example, uh, as far as I know, you know, there is uh, a super big like lifestyle uh, YouTuber. She has like a million and a half subscribers now. One of the ones that I sent you. Yeah. She still uses iMovie. And that's fine. It works for her. Yeah. And she's huge. And her videos are great. I think iJustine sometimes uses iMovie. Yeah, definitely just use what you have. If you're on Windows, Audacity is kind of like Libsyn, still looks like the 90s, but it's functional. And that's the important yeah. thing. Cool. Well, I think that covers pretty much everything, all the basics I can think of as far as you know how to conceptualize your show how to get started with technical stuff, any other stuff uh, you would add before we let everyone go? I would say just think it through, do a few episodes, see if you even like it, and then also right. edit those episodes because if you can't stand listening to your own voice and really just can't get past it, you're going to have a tough time. I still hate listening to myself, but I've gotten over it enough to where I just do the edit, get it over with, and call it done. <laughs> Same here. All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing all your knowledge. If anyone has questions about podcasts, 
how do they get a hold of you? My website is in the show notes. It's just DeannaChapman.com. I'll link to my podcasts and Twitter as well. So it's fewer clicks for you if you want to check out those things or DM me on Twitter. Awesome. Well, thank you for hopping on and I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that, and you can just sit at home thinking about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Who out there? Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!